0: and bring honor and glory to the name of Christ. Here now is our pastor teacher, Harry Reeder.
1: If you're able, please remain standing, turning in your Bibles to Acts chapter 11, down to verse 19. This is the word of God. God's word is true. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus And Antioch speaking the word to no one except Jews But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene Who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists Also preaching the Lord Jesus And the hand of the Lord was with them And a great number who believed turned to the Lord. And the report of this came to the ears of the church back in Jerusalem. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. And he exhorted them to all remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. That would become Paul, of course. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians Now, in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch And one of them, named Agabus, stood up and foretold by the Spirit That there would be a great famine over all the world And this took place in the days of Claudius So, the disciples determined every one According to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of God abides forever. By his grace and mercy, may his word be preached for you. Please be seated. It's a very special time. Three Sundays, two weeks, we have our missions conference. Starts now I get the privilege To open it with the sermon Directed by the theme Chosen by the world Commission By our world missions global team And then we have Dr. Pratt Coming next Sunday What a blessing Sunday Monday Tuesday And Wednesday this I think is the Third time he's been for our missions conference I told him he couldn't go to the He couldn't go to the barrel He had to come up with four new sermons And he promised me he would and so you're going to really be blessed by him. And as you all know, we work with him uh, and third millennium with our seminary, literally credentialing and educating and training uh, over a thousand people ministers for the gospel around the world. That's our partnership with them. So he'll be here and we'll have our missionaries, over 30 missionaries coming. Hopefully you've already got the uh, the little um, pamphlet that they put out. This is, fits right in your Bible and you can go through the missionaries that are coming, be prepared for them. I want to thank all of you that have volunteered and all of the way that you have done this to welcome them and bless them. You need to help us bless them while they're here because we're going to work them while they're here. So we need a, we need that good blessing upon them. And uh, but this is kind of a special thing for me because, uh, dare I say it, and um, this is one of the reasons God overcame all of my objections to 21 years ago being called to Briarwood or 20 years going into the 21st year. I had a number of objections and therefore said no a number of times, but it had nothing to do with you, please. It was just I couldn't see in my reasoning why God would be calling me here in light of what was happening where I was, which where I was there because you had sent me there to plant the church in Charlotte. and. So we had about 14 daughter churches and about 3,000, and we were doing what you sent us to do, and I just couldn't understand, and I really struggled with it. There were five things, though, that God used to change my mind and uh, lead me, and I'm not going to go into all five of them, but I will tell you one of them, missions at Briarwood. When I was a kid, I grew up in basically two churches: Calvary Independent Presbyterian Church, that's the home of Dr. Graham uh, and his family, and uh, and just that church sent out hundreds of missionaries, hundreds of missionaries, as as well as Dr. Graham. Um, and then um, after we had been around moving around because of my dad's career in baseball, we came back to Charlotte, ended up in the Christian Missionary Alliance Church, and man. Missions is everything in that church Now I wasn't even a believer yet But I got excited about missions I loved missions I hadn't loved Jesus yet Savingly But I loved missions and I knew Jesus loved me, but I hadn't come to love Him as my Lord and Savior. But I got to where I loved Him. It was just an exciting thing. I got to, I got excited about it when the missions conference came. So, as a pastor, I'd been in three church. I'd been in two churches in Miami and in Charlotte, and we had a pretty aggressive missions ministry, and basically had copied what was here. That's basically what we did. And uh, I'd call Tom Cheeley and ask him for advice, and we'd we'd begin to get involved in that. Well, one of the things, dare I go back to our series on stewardship? One of the things that I love about being able to preach about it in our conference is we get to be stewards of a mission's legacy. There were a number of legacy ministries at Briarwood that God used to overcome my, um, my rational, rational reasons why I didn't think I was called uh, to leave Charlotte to come here. One of them was this church's commitment to personal evangelism. Another one was the commitment that I had learned from Dr. Barker about small group discipleship. And the uh, third one uh, was uh, the uh, third one was the commitment to world missions. Uh, of course, uh, I'm grateful for Tom Cheeley and all that uh, he taught and all that he was committed to. And so I just really um, I began to think, well, You know, Briarwood has these legacy ministries and they match up with my heart, not necessarily with my abilities, but my heart. And I said, well, maybe God is calling me because somebody that um, that embraces that. Stewardship that wants to honor it and build on it, including our founding pastor. Well, maybe that's one of the reasons I ought to pray about it. And that and a number of other things uh, kind of sealed the deal in my heart and life as Cindy and I spent time in prayer. But I can't tell you how important World Missions is. Y'all do know that we're about to do something. We have two weeks, three Sundays, where we focus on World Missions. Now, remember, not National. This is not the focus on National. National is back in the fall. Urban, local, regional, national. That's back in the fall. This is world, world evangelism. This is world missions. This is the world part of the Great Commission. Go and make disciples, sending them to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the world. We got our Jerusalem, Birmingham. We got our Samaria. We got our our nation. And now this is world missions. This is our 55th year of a missions conference. This is our 55th embracing of faith promise where you begin to pray during a missions conference. How can I send them on in a manner worthy of the Lord? Lord, by faith, what do I believe you will give to me beyond my tithe and regular giving? And then I promise when you get it to me, it'll get through me and I'll give it for the cause of world evangelism, which is what it 100% will be used for. And that's a couple of weeks you're going to be praying about. You're also going to be praying, God How can I be a member here? Remember our vision statement? Every member a missionary. Every member a minister. God, how can I be a ministry in my culture? God, are you calling me cross-culturally? Do I have the gifts and calling to be a cross-cultural missionary? And God, if not, how can I be a fellow worker, a partner with them? So when they go, I go with them because I am working with them. They're not working for me. We're working together. I'm working here. I'm helping them go there with prayer and finances and personal encouragement. That's what I'm doing so that we're working together. Amen. Dr. Parker and I were talking to... Uh, probably about six, seven years ago. It feels like yesterday to me. We were talking about how we don't get invited to missions conferences as much. And I talked to a missionary. Ask our missionaries if what I'm saying is true when they get here next week. There'll be over 30 of them. And this is what we were found out. (laughs) One of the reasons is there are A whole lot less missions conferences now. You know, hey, we're going to take up an offering and do something in our city. That's that'll be our missions. Well, I'm all for taking up offering doing something in the city. But folks, we folks, we walk and chew gum at the same time. We can minister locally and still send globally. And praise God, there's a lot of global that has come local. But that doesn't stop us from sending where God's opened doors and, and even where God hasn't opened the doors, but he still tells us to send it and he'll knock the doors down when we go. So that's what we... So I'm, I'm World Missions Conference, I understand they're out of vogue now. They won't be here. This is about the biggest two weeks of the year for us. This is a big deal for us. And so, because um, we want to see the God... Listen... I want to see the gospel go to the whole world. And I'll give you two reasons right off the top of my head. Number one, Jesus said, I won't come back till the gospel has gone to every nation. So I want to get the gospel to every nation. I want Jesus back. Secondly, he won't come back till all of his people have been brought into Christ. Therefore, I want to get the gospel to the whole world. So someday out there, that last one to be saved is going to be saved. And that trumpet's going to blow. And we got a new heavens and a new earth. So I'm all for missions. I'm all for missions for multiple reasons. I'm all for missions. i love to hear the stories of what God is doing throughout the world. I'm all for missions because the whole purpose of missions is to turn sinners and to save sinners to the praise of God. So they worship God and the praise of God covers the earth as the waters cover the sea. So I'm into it. I'm not, it's not me living in the past. It's me learning from the past to live in the present. Let's change the future. More missions conferences. Because I think that's a great way to bring the vision to people in the church. So, yes, I love fountain pens and I love missions conference. I'm going to bring them both back. Okay, I love I love to see people excited about world missions and I love you. As I know you are. I see it every single year. And I look forward to our global glimpses. I look forward to the message. I look forward to our missionaries being encouraged and us being encouraged by them. So this is steward. It's just our same. We're stewarding this legacy to build, to change the future for the work of the gospel. Can I give you a second reason? There's a second reason because I'm, I love the theme. Our missions committee has it chosen. Let's send them in a manner worthy of the Lord, for we ought to. Why not notice doesn't say we should we may. It's a good idea. Ought is an ethical term. You ought to not you might not you should. You ought to you ought to send them in a manner worthy of the Lord. One of the reasons why when you do, you become fellow workers with the truth in other words they're doing out there what you're doing here in other words when they're doing out there because you're engaged with them personally prayerfully financially because you're engaged what they're doing out there you're doing with them what you're doing here they're doing with us it's a synergy of us working together so I got excited about this Sunday, I get to preach. And two weeks from now, another Sunday. Here's my thinking. Let's, Richard's going to preach on our theme verse. But I, won't. I said, why don't I go to the book of Acts and pick out a case study of fellow working. Of working together. Let's just see what it looks like. Let's experience and see what it looks like. And then, so I said, let me go to the book of Acts. Now, the book of Acts contains three glorious gospel movements of the Great Commission that match the Great Commission. Let me say it again. Three gospel movements of the Great Commission in the power of the Spirit that match the Great Commission. Let me what's the great commission take the gospel where Jerusalem then where Judea and Samaria then where to the world guess what the book of Acts inspired by the Holy Spirit through Luke actually records it that way. Acts 1 through 8 is the gospel at work in Jerusalem Acts 9 through 12 is the gospel at work in Judea and Samaria Acts 13 through 28 is the gospel at work throughout the world. And so you get to see it. Then you see something else. When the gospel's working at Jerusalem, a great church at Jerusalem is established. And that great church is pastored by a converted half-brother of Jesus, James. Then you see all of this work that's done. And then you go to Judea and Samaria. And there's another great church that I just read about, the church at Antioch. In Judea and Samaria. Then the gospel goes to the world from chapter 13 through 28. And there's another great church. It's not the only church. But another great epicenter gospel, earthquaking church. And that's Ephesus. And you get to see that in the book of Acts. But here's something that Luke has shown us in the narrative. That many don't see. I'm not reading into it. It's there. There's this little underlying narrative that you need to see. Here's what it is. You wouldn't have had Antioch if Jerusalem hadn't sent. And you wouldn't have the gospel going to the world if Antioch hadn't sent. In other words, here is Antioch because Jerusalem sent. Then Antioch. Sends back to Jerusalem and then sends its best out to the world. Do you see working with one another in the truth and experiencing as a church? It's more blessed to give than to receive working together. Let me try to show it to you. I have to be selective for time. I can't do everything, but I just want to give you a couple of things to hang your hat on. Would you look back in your Bible in Acts chapter 11, right where I started at verse 19? So you've got scattered from you've got believers scattered from Jerusalem out into the world. In concert with the persecution now we don't have time if you go back to Acts what you find is persecution against the church to the point of the first martyr of the church in Jerusalem Stephen is killed and a guy by the name of Saul is holding the coats and cheering them on and then he becomes a religious terrorist killing Christians and set and, and destroying churches afterwards so back here is this glorious work. And when persecution comes, all it does is the church begins to grow. And then so. So the first thing you see is these are believers who have left Jerusalem in the context of the persecution and become scattered. I had a guy call me one time and he said to me, uh, Pastor Reader." I said, yes. He said, you know, I've been listening on the radio. I'd like to visit your church. I said, well, I'd love to have you visit. He said, can you tell me where your church is? I said, I don't have the slightest idea. He said, what? I said, I don't have the slightest idea. He said, aren't you the pastor? I said, yes, sir. He said, well, how can I visit your church if you don't? I, I, oh, 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 I'm sorry. You're asking, where does the church I pastor meet on the Lord's Day? That's what you're at. You're asking, where can I find that church when it gathers for worship, fellowship, encouragement, and discipleship on the Lord's Day? I'll give you the. It's 2200 Briarwood Way. Does that help? And no, I didn't say that. I'm, I was... I did not let the wit go to sarcasm. I was trying to get a theological point across. He said, well, what are you talking about? And I said, well, listen, I pastor this wonderful congregation and it's not the Lord's day. They're everywhere. I got some on airplanes. I've got some at the mall. In fact, I may have a bunch of them at the mall. I've got some at business. I've got some in the office. I've got some in school. I've got some on the practice field of athletic teams. I've got some in fraternities. I've got some in sororities. I've got some just all over the place. They're scattered out there. Now, on the Lord's Day, here's where we meet, and that's when we gather. So what happens when we scatter? Well, let me tell you what happened in Jerusalem. They not only scattered into the streets of Jerusalem, they scattered to Cyprus. They scattered to Cyrene. And then... People came to Christ and they picked some of them up and they went on the these scattered believers from Jerusalem, picking up Cyrus and Cyrene believers that they'd led to Christ went on to Antioch and then something powerful happened. No longer did they just simply go to the Jew first exclusively. Now they went to the Hellenists. Now they went to the Gentiles. Now they went to some of our forebearers, and they went to them with the gospel that were residing there in Antioch and they believed and came to Christ. And this glorious work of grace begins to happen. And so, by the way, isn't that interesting? Satan attacks the church at Jerusalem with what? Persecution. And what does that do? Multiplies believers and multiplies churches. Here's my illustration. I'm in the first grade. I'm six years old. My dad's in the Carolina League. We're living in Raleigh, North Carolina. We're living in a duplex rented but yet we had to keep the lawn. And so I cut the grass, grass, ha! Ah. <laughs> dandelions, spring onions, and um, something else that just would not die. And that's what that was our grass. And I had a pushmore. You ever tried to catch those stems in a mower to cut them down? I cut that grass on the side of a hill up and down in the snow three hours every day. It was terrible. But I cut that, but what I love to do was in the spring when the dandelions come, I would run through that yard and kick them. And it's like I was creating snow everywhere. And then my mother would come out and she started to kick me. And she said, what are you doing? We're trying to kill those things. I said, mom, look at it. She said, don't do that. Every time you kick them, you're not killing it. You're spreading hundreds of them. That's what happens when you persecute the church. Spreading multiplying believers, multiplying churches. Now we got churches in Cyrus. Now we got churches in Cyprus. Now we got churches in Cyrene. Now we got a church in Antioch. We got another church back in Samaria. It's now spreading all over the place. And as it's spreading, these people are doing out there what they did in Jerusalem. Remember, people coming to know the Lord every day. Now they go out preaching the Lord and they make the jump from just the Jew to also the Gentile. And the word gets back to Jerusalem. So what does Jerusalem do? This Jerusalem that had sent these missionaries that had gone to Cyprus and Cyrene and now Antioch. Now they take one of their best leaders. His name is Barnabas. And they take Barnabas. His name was Joseph, but he was he gave so much and gave of himself that they changed his name from uh, Joseph to Barnabas. Bar means son, Bar Neba, son of encouragement. And they said, boy, we know, it. let's send our best guy. And they sent Barnabas up there. Barnabas got there and started pastoring the church. And now it kept growing even more. I need help. You remember the religious terrorists? He got converted. Now, years later, he's back up in Tarsus and he calls him down Saul. And Saul becomes the associate pastor, the associate pastor of Antioch under Barnabas. And they began to evangelize and disciple for a whole year. And then something amazing happens. People watching these people who are being discipled, living for Christ, becoming more like Christ. they got a term of degradation for them. They called them. Christians little Christ It's three times in your Bible once here derogatory another time derogatory in the book of Acts when Paul sharing the gospel with Agrippa, and he says he says Paul almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian and then you hear it in Peter when Peter remember y'all remember we were there where Peter says if any of you suffer as a Christian let him declare and count himself to be blessed that is suffering for Christ. And so here the first time they use the term Christian and this church is growing Well, guess what? Jerusalem's not through. They not only sent missionaries, they not only sent Barnabas, now they send itinerant preachers, prophets, and they come. And while they're there, remember, the scriptures are not complete. So the gift of prophecy is still in play. And so they then prophesy a a famine that's going over the known world. Well, everybody knows if a famine goes, Judea is over there on the edge of the wilderness. They're going to be tough. They're going to be hit hard back there in jerusalem so these people who had received missionaries barnabas and preachers from jerusalem now worked with them and sent help back to the church of jerusalem fellow workers with the truth but not only that Not only do you see a sending church in Jerusalem, a receiving church at Antioch, which becomes a sending church back to Jerusalem. Let me show you something else. Take your Bible and go with me to Acts 13. Acts 13. Now, there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. So now we're going to find out who are the leaders, the pastoral staff now at this growing church in Antioch. They got five pastors. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, later to become Paul. Now stop right there. Here is a church, dare I say it with no irreverence, going, growing, and blowing all over the place. They got five great leaders. None of them are from Antioch. They've all been sent in the providence of God. Barnabas came from Jerusalem. Simeon came from Niger. Lucius came from Cyrene. Manaen Either came from Caesarea by the sea or Jerusalem because of his friendship identified with Herod, the Tetrarch. And Saul, who came from Tarsus. You see, God's kindness in continuing to send to this church. Their leaders were received from other places. Now watch what they do. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands and they sent them off. Now this church that has received missionaries, Barnabas, itinerant preachers that have been sent to them, now sends resources back to Jerusalem. And they take their two best preacher leaders and send them out into the world. The result on the first missionary journey will be churches that are planted all over the Mediterranean and the southern part of what we today call Turkey. They came back. And in chapter 15, I don't have time. Let me just mention it. In chapter 15, they came back and they... Jerusalem sent encouragement to them with other preachers. And then, uh, and then Paul and Barnabas had a disagreement. And Paul went on another missionary journey with Silas. And Barnabas went on a missionary journey with John Mark. And so they now send them out with two more great guys going with them. Two missionary teams. And then, and then sent from Antioch. Paul goes and he plants churches in Asia Minor. He plants the church in Ephesus. He goes to Europe, plants churches in Europe and in in Neapolis, in Berea, in Thessalonia. Then he goes down right to the intellectual capital of the world and he takes it head on at Mars Hill. He takes them head on at Areopagus and he plants a church in Athens. And then he goes down to the most immoral place that we know of on the spot of the globe. In fact, if you were an immoral person, the term was... You're a Corinthian. And he goes down to Corinth and he begins to do his ministry. And it's not long before he's able to write. No fornicator, no adulterer, no murderer, no effeminate, no homosexual, no glutton. And he names off nine in, in addicting sins and shall enter the kingdom of God. And then he says, and such were some of you. The transforming, forgiving, life-changing power of the gospel had come to Corinth. And then he goes back over to Asia. Minor. Then he comes back and then he goes on a third missionary journey and he ends up in prison and he ends up going to the political, military, economic capital of the world to Rome. And we hear some in the personal guard of Caesar, in the imperial guard, are being saved and some in Caesar's household are being saved. Why? The receiving church became a sending church. Barnabas that received. I mean, Antioch that received men like Barnabas and Saul and others gladly sent. Not the leftover, but the best. Look at the fellow working with the truth. The result is a pagan in Europe saying, these people. The name of Christ. Who are these people that we are fellow workers with? People who go out in the name of Christ. People who testify to Christ. People who accept nothing from the unbelieving world because they're going to love the unbelieving world. We send them in a manner worthy of the Lord. And therefore, we're fellow workers with them. And the result, these people. Now, what he's talking about is Paul and his team. Let me tell you what Jesus is saying. These people are not only Paul and his team. It's also the church that sent them Antioch. They're fellow workers with the church. It's also the church at Jerusalem that sent to Antioch. We're fellow workers with the truth. And the synergy and the tapestry is amazing. It's amazing what God does with this. So my takeaway is simply our missions theme for the year. My takeaway for this year. We ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers with the truth. So we want to be a missionary here. Now, we're not. Some of us are not called to be cross-cultural missionaries. So we praise God when God calls someone and equips them. But when they go, we want to go with them. We want to go and be involved in their life personally. We want to be involved in their life financially. That's why you'll have that faith promise card that we on that last Sunday can having prayed through and thought through with ourselves and our families. What is God? How is God called calling me in my prayer life to support it? How can I be engaged personally in their lives? How can I be engaged financially in a faith promise? What's God going to, by faith, what do I believe He's going to give me beyond my tithe that I promise I'll give to this world missions and these missionaries that our global missions team have spent time praying about, sending them to key places around the world? How can I be a fellow worker with the truth of what's going to take place? Tapestry. Oh, I wish I just tried to show you Antioch from Jerusalem that sent to Antioch. Antioch sends back to Jerusalem. Antioch sends out into the world. And look what happens. And we ought to be such people like them sending out in a manner worthy of the Lord fellow workers with the truth. It was January the 14th, 1965. A 31 year old businessman here in Birmingham who had come to Christ not long before. He had a dear wife. And she, he, he noticed she was giving, getting any more, she was actually getting more sweeter. She was unbelievable. He just couldn't believe what was happening in her life. And then, he found, then he began to notice she got up before him. But she didn't get up out of bed. She just propped up the bed, reached over. And the first thing she did was get her Bible every morning. She would read and pray. He said, what are you doing? She said, I'm just reading and praying. And then she looked up at him and said, listen, if you were to die, do you know where you'd spend eternity? So he kind of fumbled around and everything. But he went away <laughs> thinking the rest of the day and then days afterwards. No, I don't. But I think she does. And then one day she said to him one morning, Honey, would you go to a Bible study that this church has on Friday nights? He said, Church has a Bible study on Friday. He'd heard it. I mean, he'd he churches, gone to churches, but that was on Sunday in the building. What are you doing in a home on Friday night? I mean, is this some kind of cult? What's going on? She said, Wouldn't you go with me? He said, Okay. He knocked on the door and said, Hi. A couple hours later, he closed the door and said, bye. And he said what he heard changed his life forever. As he went into that Bible study, his life was changed. He got his Bible. He began to study it. He came to the church and began to hear God's word preached. And then that little Bible study group said, hey, we got some people coming from Campus Crusade. They're going to teach us how to share the gospel with something called the four spiritual laws. He said, well, "I don't think that's for me." Oh, yes, she said, "Yes, honey, let's go." So she went. And he learned, and then they said, "Now Sunday afternoon, after morning worship, we're going to go and visit with people and share with people the four spiritual laws." And he got in the car and he said, "They may. I'm not." She said, "Well, if you're not, I'm not." And he said, "Well, I'm sorry, I'm not." So he went home and was miserable, and he could tell she was miserable couple of weeks later they all came back they hadn't more training this time he was the first one at the door he was the last one to leave and then he went out that day and saw two people that he shared the gospel with that sunday afternoon who came to christ and he said my life was changed again i couldn't wait to share the gospel with somebody else and i learned how to do that and i praised the lord for it my life was changed forever a couple of months later he said to her he said you know, What I'd like to do is uh, I think we need to pray about being missionaries. So they then went to be a missionary with Campus Crusade. And then they became international missionaries in Asia. Then they became the vice president of Campus Crusade over international missions in Asia. Now, let me back up. I just got a phone call this week. The man I'm telling you died. I'll be doing his funeral in the next couple of days. He's coming back home. To Birmingham, to Briarwood. His wife's name was Elizabeth. His name was Bailey Marks. And as far as I know from talking with Dr. Parker and talking with Tom Cheely. That was our first missionary. Missionary. On January the 14th, 1965, the year of our first missions conference, this year will be our 55th. And he went. Praise the Lord for how God used him. If I could give you so many stories about how God used Bailey Marks. And I've got two minutes to give you this one. So there he is in Asia. His goal, he said to Bill Bright, I want to take the gospel personally and with the Jesus film to every nation in Asia. And he got to be friends with a missionary in Nepal. That missionary had never shared the gospel with anybody. He had worked for the Bible Society and he hadn't shared the gospel because if you did in Nepal, in those years you got killed. That was the result. So he didn't go. He didn't share. So Bailey tried to encourage him to share. And he said, would you just come over to Manila? And he came over to Manila and he got into a Campus Crusade training session, just like the one that had happened back here at Briarwood. Then he, uh, then he got into that training session. As he got into the training session, he said, now you're going back. And he said, are you excited to go back? He said, no. His name was Adon Rongan. And the Don said to him, he said, Bailey, I don't I don't want to go back. He said, why? Because if I share the gospel, he said, I know you'll be persecuted. He said, persecuted, nothing. They'll kill me. There were but five. As far as I know, 500 Christians in Nepal and one church. And they all were underground. So he went back. And a number of weeks later, Bailey said, I need to go to Nepal and encourage him. So he went over and met with him. And he said, "Don, how's it going? He said, well, it wasn't going so good when I got back. I didn't talk about Jesus. I was afraid. They said they would kill me. And I've already seen them kill Christians. But I was eating lunch one day with my wife. And I said to her, I said, honey, I am going. When this lunch is over, I'm going to go down the steps. And the first person I come to, I'm going to tell them about Jesus. I can't be quiet anymore, no matter what. If I don't come back, I love you. And he went down. First person he met was a student who was a Hindu. He shared with him Christ. And by the time it was over, the Hindu and him were on their knees and he gave his heart to Jesus. He said, I don't remember how many people I talked to the rest of that day, but every single one gave their heart to Jesus. Wasn't that kind of God to give him that kind of encouragement? The rest of his life was unbelievable. I can't have time to tell you what happened in Nepal. I'm out of the time to tell you. But then he invested his life in a guy named Hyungwon um, uh, Kim from Korea, Korean Presbyterian minister. Then he committed to a man by the name of Doctor Thomas Abrams, Abraham, Doctor Thomas Abraham. And then when he came to retirement, he turned it over to them, and the ministry just kept mushrooming throughout all of Asia. Why did that happen? Do you understand? Thomas Abrams, Abraham's got a great ministry, and you're working with him. Dr. Kim's got a great ministry. You're working with him. Adan Rangoon in Nepal had a great ministry. And you're working with him because we sent and supported Bailey while he was doing that. We're fellow workers with the truth. That tapestry, I could go on and on. And then let me tell you something. Right now, our missionary force has 200 members of Briarwood right now. In our 55 years, we have sent more than 2,000 of our members. So just keep repeating, Bailey Marks. Keep repeating. That's why I love missions. That's why I love the privilege to make a commitment to pray. That's why I love an opportunity to do faith promise. That's why I love the opportunity to be personally. Can I just read one? Just let me read this one sentence. Here's a letter from the Marks, nineteen. 84. Dear Tom Cheeley, thank you so much for your kind remembrance that we keep, that you and the Missions Committee keep in touch with us. And we want to be in touch with you more often. We are thrilled. We are thrilled that the World Missions Committee in Briarwood takes such a personal interest in us year after year after year. Well, that's why we do it. That's why we do it. Fellow workers with the truth. So, you know what? I praise God for that sunken living room at Dr. Buck's house where I don't know how many people on Friday night heard the gospel, including Bailey Marks, including Elizabeth. And I thank the Lord for 1965 when we had our first missionary conference, and out goes Bailey Marks and others. And I look at the tapestry of receiving and sending fellow workers with the truth. So let's pray. God, do something this week. We've got some more Bailey Marks perhaps sitting out here. If you're calling them, make it clear. If you're calling them, help us work together to rightly send them. Those whom we've already sent, may we encourage them personally as well as with our faith promise. Thank you, Father, that we get to do all of this together. We not only do the mission work here, but we get to do missions out there because we're working with them who we have sent out in a manner worthy of the Lord. But but, dear Jesus, let me stop here. My friend, I'm going to close this prayer, but I need to ask you something. You may be here today and say, you know... God sent you, Pastor Reader, to tell me about Jesus and I want to receive Him as my Lord and Savior. You're where Bailey was. God's working in your heart. Now go where Bailey went to Jesus. Give your life to Him. What a glorious thing to be forgiven. And get on the journey together with God's people. There'll be someone up here to pray after the service. Please feel free to come up. For those of us who have gathered today. We're going to leave in a minute. Let's scatter as workers with the truth. And in the next couple of weeks. Let's refresh, renew and revive our commitment to be fellow workers with those whom we're sending out in a manner worthy of the Lord, personally, prayerfully, with the right resources that God gets to us and goes through us, that the praise of our God would go from the rising to the setting of the sun. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.
0: You have been listening to a message by Harry Reeder, Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. For more information on the resources available through Briarwood Presbyterian Church, or for more information on the teaching ministry of Pastor Reeder, visit us at briarwood.org or call 205 776 5200.